Cross point. <laughs> I'm glad there's so much energy. It's great. Have a rainy day and this much energy. That's unusual. So we are excited. You have chosen and made a conscious choice to come to church today to worship together and to get around the word of God. Would you stand and sing with us this morning as we worship our Savior in song in Christ alone?
Heavenly Father, we lift our voices to you this morning, Lord. You have brought us from different places throughout the week in our lives, Lord. For some of us, it's been an exciting week, uh, a good week. For others, it may have been trying, discouraging, God. But you are the same God in the good times and the bad, and we magnify your name this morning because you alone are worthy of praise. Would you change our hearts this morning as your word is preached? God, may our hearts be receptive not only to hear but to do. Lord, I pray that you would be with this time in your word. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. And good morning. It is good to see so many people here today as we take this day and make it um, whatever God wants to do with it ultimately. But we uh, also want to say, Andrew said it best when we first started, uh, you made a good decision today. Not because we're the greatest flavor in town. There's other churches. Not because of our dynamic personality or music and all those other things. You've made a good decision because we are going to do our best to represent in a very genuine manner our God to either encourage your heart to the member of our church or introduce you to Jesus Christ, our Savior, who gives us life and hope. So that is our goal. So if you will buckle up today, I want you to buckle up a little bit because I'm going to be hitting a lot of portions of Scripture today. And as we see what God's Word, how it will and wants to transform our lives. As we take a moment, um, we have uh, uh, our crews back there. Everybody's manning everything. I thought we would um, give a welcome to Artemia Henderson on our Facebook. So Will's back there at the camera for good. Kind of turn and give a wave. Artemia Henderson periodically watches um, through, I think, her granddaughter. Somebody gets it hooked up for her. And, um, uh, so... Uh, Artemia is an, always an encouragement to be around. She puts a smile on my face. So uh, hopefully you are, you're here on purpose. Are you awake today? Give me an amen. amen. All right. Now listen, I'm keyed up and ready to go. You be keyed up and ready to go. This isn't a three-day weekend. People, you heard that this week, right? It's a three-day weekend. It is a three-day weekend. But remember this. I always like reminding people of this. The weekend even that terminology is not favorable. Here's why. It's because it sounds like Sunday is the last day of the week. Oh, Sunday's the last. Oh, let's just get through the weekend. I can't wait to get to the weekend. Sunday is the first day of the week. I love that. A resurrection Sunday is the first day of the week. So that's another reason why on Sunday mornings we're eager to get here, eager to meet together. It's a fresh start for the week. And then just a couple days ago was the September 1st. I knew because rent was due. That's how I knew it was September 1st. And what they even just having that fresh start can do so much for us. When we think about um, uh, time frames and fresh starts, it can trigger something in our thinking. And that's exactly what I want to talk about today. A biblical mindset, a mindset that helps us to get where we want to go, get where God wants us to go. I think more importantly, even if we don't want to go there, we know that we need to go there. Does that make sense? So we're going to be sharing those things uh, this morning as we consider the thought of this, managing your mind, managing your mind. So uh, it should not be a hard sell for, uh, to convince the believer 
the need to be faithful. We need to be faithful as unto our God, a good steward. And with the truths of God, here we are. Here we are. What an encouragement it is to have the Bible to give us direction. Okay, we're going to be talking about in a moment why some of the world is blinded, why we once were blinded. We're going to be talking about what a mindset can do as we look forward and we think correctly how that it will show out in our actions. So, in our first thought here is the power of thought. You're also going to see this, that finally mental health has finally caught up to the Bible. You may think, well, come on, the Bibles, that's been around for thousands of years. Mental health's got all these new cutting edge, and, and they're, they're on the cutting, they know what's going on. It's, that's just an old dusty book. Finally, mental health is caught up to the Bible. Watch what happens as we consider this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 is where I want you to turn. Again, we're going to be popcorning this thing. We're hitting a lot of different scriptures in a short amount of time, I think. Anxious to see where we go today. As you're turning to Philippians chapter 4, it is encouraging to see uh, old friends of ours and young old friends, if that makes sense. Uh, uh, Ava Carson walked in here. I was like, who is that girl right there? I don't even know that kid. Looked totally different. Now, uh, Ava McCoy, sorry. Carson, I've seen in the last, you know, over the last couple weeks and months, that kid hadn't changed a bit. He just got taller. Looks identical the same, but it's good to have Ava and Carson here this morning with us as well. Sitting with Grandma and Grandpa, they're smiling a little extra big this morning. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 is where I want us to consider. As we, and this is, what, this is why I mentioned even the youth today, is because Scripture is for all ages. Parents, did you grab a hold of that? It's for all ages ages, shepherding the heart of your child. How are you going to shepherd the heart of your child if you do not have the Word of God to be uh, fully vested into their life? This morning as I was walking around, um, I was in Bible Quest this morning. I do that once a month with uh, Pastor Rick. Uh, so I, w I love teaching in Bible Quest. I had a baby stroller, a baby, and a crown. You'll have to figure it out from there, what scripture we went to. But we had a high energy. And then just walking around briefly, catching a little bit, um, Pastor Roger had a great class, uh, some good conversations I heard as I was going by. I don't know what Andrew was doing. I saw guitars, babies, and a Bible. I don't know what was going on in there. But then uh, Eric uh, Fryman taught in Brad's class, Committed Life Today. Uh, if you'll notice on our Facebook, uh, Danielle kind of posted some newer uh, our topics for the next weeks and months ahead. And as I looked in there, um, I could tell at least that one of the Frymans had a hand in it because the room was rearranged. That would be on Brittany. So the bread, when you see this, is, your may, room may look a little different if you get it back. But I love the fact that we're able to come and meet the way we, that is our small groups. Get in each other's lives. Be genuine. Be honest. We want to be a church that's welcoming. Not one that's, that, that places God off to where he's distant. I believe God's near. I do. The power of thought. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Familiar portion of Scripture. There's several things listed here. But don't look at this Scripture as a list. Philippians is a joyful book. You need to pick me up? Read Philippians. Don't just read it once. 
It takes you like 15 minutes to read it. Read it a couple times a day. Read it for five days in a row. Read it for seven days. It's a, it's, it is a joyful book. But I want you to consider the power of thought. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, and it reads, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Say the word meditate. meditate. Very good. The Bible tells believers over and again that we can control what we think. Young people, grab a hold of that. We can control what we think. Here is it. Here is just but one example. It is useless to accept a defeatist attitude saying, I simply can't help it, uh, can't help it when my mind is filled with unwelcome thoughts. You can help it if you are a believer today. You can help it. It's funny what we believe and what we don't believe and watching it come to fruition. I don't know if you know this, but I have, uh, you've heard me talk about this in my examples and I try not to use them too much because most people that know this will identify and other people will hear this example and go, oh, one of those guys. But I picked up this game called golf. And somebody, I was, take, I was taking a shot once and they go, you got to believe in it. And the, 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 the funny thing about that swing was I believe every one of them is going in the hole. Every shot, I got no problem with confidence. It's going in. The problem is when it doesn't. Belief we think we, we in, in our walk with him, some things we, we think right, we believe right, and in increments we get there. But it's never wrong to think and do the right thing in real time. Never. As a believer, listen to me, you can't help it. You do not have to take a defeatist attitude and simply say, I can't help it. My mind gets filled with unwelcome thoughts. There may be some discipline you got to put in your life. Think about that. We forget this. Spiritual disciplines we need in our life. We need these things. It, it's amazing to me that what we put into our life and then we expect something different out of our life. Food for thought. A believer cannot entertain evil thoughts and thoughts about the Lord Jesus Christ at the same time. One's going to outweigh the other. Meditate on the words and the works of our Lord. So let's look at this. In verse 8, he lists there, there's five, well, there's eight things really, but uh, he lists these things for us to think about. Finally, brother, whatever things are true is the very first one listed there. What is true? We live in a world where you can't tell what's true and what's not. A lot of times, if you watch different people's lives, especially when they make the, the media quite a, a lot, you know, a lot of times truth is, is a casualty. It's, it's somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. True. It's hard to find truth in our day and age, in my opinion. You can keep your finger there in Philippians, but go to John chapter 14. This is where we're going to buckle up and kind of run through several scriptures. John 14, verse 6, very familiar portion of scripture. In fact, we probably could have we probably could have had somebody quote this one this morning. But there's a definite article here that stands out. It's the, it's the little words of the Bible that probably have a bigger impact than the bigger $40 words. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is a very, very heavy verse. A very heavy verse. I am the way. There, there is no other way. The truth. Now listen, in our, you know, we, we try to be uh, uh, diplomatic and, and listening and working through things. But if everybody will pursue what is true, which truth comes from our God, everything else is kind of melts away. Think on these things. Not happy thoughts, but godly thoughts. Somebody needs to write that down. Not happy thoughts. Don't find your happy place, but godly thoughts. Because your happy place may be sinful. You don't have to look hard to find in Christ these things. You don't. You don't have to look hard to find truth. Pursue him. Seek him. Look at what the red letters say, and you're going to find truth. He, the next list there is uh, whatever things are noble or honorable. Okay? Uh, think on these things. He talks about the word just. We think of uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, uh, that when we confess these things, he is faithful and just or the justifier. Isn't that great? To be the justifier. Think on these things. Whatever things are pure. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. Whatever things are lovely. Whatever things are lovely, think on these things. You think, well, why so many? Can I, I can only think at one thing at a time. Why is he giving us a list of so many things to think on? We have a lot of options here because these are the goodness and the attributes of God that are laid out right before us. Lived out through Jesus Christ. Whatever things are lovely of a good report. And by the way, good report, be reminded of this, that the name of Jesus Christ is synonymous with the gospel message. And that means good news. Good news. And whatever is praiseworthy. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Keep your finger there in Philippians, if you would. Matthew chapter 21. I want to take a minute and talk about things that are praiseworthy, or what the Bible says about things that are praiseworthy. This is an interesting one. I love this storyline, because so is Jesus in a, um, sometimes we have him painted as a very um, he just wants everybody to get along. He, that's all he really wants. Stop arguing. And yet, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. He's, he cleans house and then he unifies. That's a, that's a masculine savior. It's a masculine gospel that we have here. And it's praiseworthy. Watch what happens. Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and he drove out all of those who bought and sold in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Now, this happened probably twice where he went into the temple. And what's interesting about this one is when he went in there, I don't know what you picture in your mind, but he's in the temple. This is a place where you're supposed to be, well, you know, respectful, dignified. And um, uh, honorable. It's an honorable place. But Jesus, God in the flesh, he saw that it was being manipulated. In fact, he was offended. It was sinful. And he went there and he drove them out, the scripture says. 
uh, in the other, uh, in John, when it talks about this, he drove them out with a whip. Now, listen, I'm sure he wasn't using like a swifter type of, of like, you guys need to go now. When the righteous judge is judging, it's going to be harsh. It's going to be fierce. He's offended of what you're doing in his daddy's house. He's offended. You're not doing it here. That's not what you're doing here in this house. And he had all the power. He's omnipotent. He knew what they were doing. He's omniscient. He knew what, he knew what was up. He knew what time it was, and he drove them out. And he says this, and he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came in the temple, and he healed them. That quick. Did you see it? He drove them out, but was welcoming to who, who, who needed. He had compassion and passion. probably going to get in trouble, right, what I'm getting ready to say right now. And so I'm going to try to figure out how to navigate through this one. But Carl and I um, had, we, you ever, we, we visited a church, and, and we were talking about how gorgeous it was. There's some gorgeous churches. I mean, wow. Uh, historic. Um, we were at a church that had big, giant pipe organs, the ones out the Cherry Street, big, beautiful-looking building. So much so that um, you get it. You get it. Like, this is for God. It's honorable. It's clean. It's, it's wow. But sometimes when you sit in there, and we were having this conversation, you think, man, if I was an addict right now, and I came in here, would I feel welcome? If, I was, if I'm hurting and I'm struggling, if I'm homeless, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm a drunk, would I feel welcome in here? Would you just feel dirty walking in because of how pristine and procedured everything looked? This is Jesus having church right here. He's having church in his dad's house, and he drives them out, and he welcomes these in. The point we're talking about is praiseworthy. Let's get to that. The very next verse says, uh, verse 15, but when the chief priests and the scribes, and they saw the wonderful things that he did, the wonderful things, <laughs> and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They missed it. They, they didn't get what God was up to. They didn't get what Jesus was up to. They were mad because somebody messed with their stuff. Somebody messed with their authority. Verse 16, Anne said to him, Do you hear what these people are saying? Do you hear what they're doing? You're a false prophet. You're a false God. Do you hear what they're doing to this temple? Look what Jesus said. Yes. Yes. He, yes. I hear what they're doing. Have you ever read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. Where'd that come from? Perfected praise. Think on these things, things that are praiseworthy. You know, it's not hard to see when God's doing something in people's lives. It's not hard if you'll have the eyes to see. I'm speaking to the believer now. If you have the eyes to see, you want to be a part of that. You want to, be, you want to encourage that. When God's doing something in somebody else's life, you want to be a part of that. 
Don't be skeptical. Don't be... Because critical and skeptical will, is not... It, it is a power of thought, but it's going to take you in the wrong direction. The mind is the control tower for believers. Our thoughts govern our relationship to God and others and our direction in life. I'm going to probably butcher this illustration too, but Carl Kirby, raise your hand if you know the name, Carl Kirby. All right, yeah, there we go. He, uh, in fact, I just talked to him last Sunday night. He called me up. I know people. And um, he, uh, we're talking about him coming probably uh, November-ish, October-ish. Uh, Carl Kirby is, uh, we're going to talk about him coming in. Um, and he uh, tells, and I, I, now again, I don't want to attribute everything to him. I don't remember the details of this, but he talked about being an air traffic controller. And I think it was at O'Hara in Chicago. And he talked about how you do that. So if you would picture a flight order and, and the control tower, you always go back to the plane that's getting ready to land next. So you may have all these other planes, and he would read out this line to this plane, and then he would move to the next line, and then the next line. Then he would go back to the top line and read the next line and next line and add the fourth plane. And then he would go back to the one that's getting ready to land. Why is that? Because the most important one is the one that's landing next. You can't forget about it. That would be bad as an air traffic control to be, uh, yeah, I've read off you four planes that are landing, so we're good. No, there's, there's numbers, there's all that nerdy stuff that you got to figure out with the numbers on landing that plane. The point is, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The mind is the control tower for the believer. We got to, oh, it's a battle, y'all. It is a battle to keep him at the forefront of our thinking. It can be a battle, I should say. It can be a battle. It can be a battle. How do we do that? How do we do that? Godliness is the result of thinking right, thinking like God thinks. And there's the battle for the believer. So let's, uh, in a moment, I think we're going to talk about how to do that, okay? But let's talk about some problems. If you're with me, give me an uh-huh. All right, we're still going. The problem with our thoughts. Here's the problem. Two, two problems. One, here's the first one that stands out. Satan blinds the mind of the unbeliever. First, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. As we consider this, and uh, again, I'm going to say something that is um, low-hanging fruit for the Bible, or for the believer, the Bible believer, but it's to the world. They look at us like we have four heads. Um, we're going to read this one from the screen. I appreciate Eric Blizzard back there right on, the, right on time. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Satan blinds the mind of the unbeliever. He is the culprit by veiling minds of the unbelieving. Speaking of the whole air traffic control thing, uh, the one time that I flew in or out, I think we were coming into Chicago. Uh, I've only been on a plane a couple times my whole life, and um, we were coming into it. Well, um, we were above, Pastor Roger, I think you were with me, and uh, it was so wild because you're above the clouds. 
and uh, you're like, all right, it's sun shining, it's all good, and um, we're flying, you're loving it, but then we, on our descent, we went through storm. It was storming because it was Chicago, and, uh, and, and it was dark, and it got real gray and dark, and, and you see all this stuff, and we had to go back up above the clouds for a minute. And then when we went back up as you're circling, we saw all these other planes in the sky. And you're like, is this cool or freaky? I don't know which one it is. I, it was kind of, but there's a whole nother world just by the elevation change. It was a whole nother world. In our world, the sun is always shining. The sun was shining. When we went down in that plane, it wasn't shining anymore. In fact, it got scary. We went back up, and the sun was shining again. We don't always see the sun shining. The reason is because something has come between us and the sun. See where I'm going with this, right? So it is with the gospel. The very same thing with the gospel. The light of the gospel is always shining. Listen to me. The light of the gospel is always shining. God is seeking to shine in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. He's seeking that. He's seeking. When you're teaching Bible quests and kids are over there and they're doing what kids do, you wonder if you're getting through it all sometimes. You just, you can't help but wonder, but God is seeking to shine in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. Satan puts a barrier between the unbelievers and God. A cloud of pride, a cloud of, a cloud of rebellion. How about a cloud of self-righteousness? Satan simply doesn't want people saved. Here's something else I'm going to say that the world may kind of struggle with, but in what I'm seeing out there uh, is that they're kind of our world. I'm not talking about churches I'm so much, I'm more talking about the secular world. They're ignoring God. There's just in that, that attitude of he's just whatever. It's not, I don't even think they're atheists anymore. I don't think they're fighting anymore. They kind of just like, well, just don't talk to them. Don't talk to believers. Don't talk to Christians. They're just kind of cuckoo anyways. They're, they're in their own world. But you know what's interesting? When something tragic happens, they won't recognize good. They won't recognize God and holiness. They won't recognize a standard, but yet they'll call out evil when it's evil. Like, oh, there's a massive shooting. That person's evil. That person. You can't have evil if there is no holy. You, you can't have it. What's your standard for measurement? You? You're the standard? Well, that's a moving target, isn't it? Satan deceives the believer. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you turn there, uh, if you were there before, you can just go a couple more pages forward to 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Very simple verse. And again, this is not hyperbole. This is not a, a, an illustration, a real live event. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, and it reads, But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Whoa, that's loaded right there. The fear is that the believer would be deceived and their minds corrupted from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. That word simplicity, it just means singleness in heart. That's it. 
You know, I love the fact that the gospel message is simple. I love the fact that it is, it is not complicated. I'm not that smart. We're not that uh, um, uh, academically minded to be able to, 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 to come to him on our own. It's simple. It's just hard. It just can be hard. The fear is that the, the believer would be deceived in her minds, corrupted by the simplicity, the pure, purity of devotion to Christ. And that's all it is. That's all it is. So here's what I'm asking you to do today, Cross Point Baptist Church. If you're a believer, remember, remember what I'm asking you to do. Remember your chains. Remember back before you came to Christ or he came to you, every which way you want to word that one. Remember what it was like to be hurting, lost, drifting, uncertain, unsecure. Remember, dust that off. Sometimes we've been doing, uh, we've been walking with him and doing the church thing so long, we forget the hurt. We forget what that's like. And I'm asking you, church member, I'm asking you, believer, your family members, your loved ones, your coworkers. That's you and me at one point. That was you and me at one point. And the only fact that you're in God's good graces isn't because you look good and you're intelligent and you have money. All of them are swiped away. It's because he did a work in your heart and you replied and responded to it. Be patient, be loving, be prayerful because the Bible tells us there's two verses that give us, there's more, there's two that tells us a lot of our loved ones, our family members, and if we'll be even more personal, our children, our parents, our brothers, our sisters. It gets home when you start getting like that. Perhaps they're just blinded. It doesn't mean they don't get it. it doesn't, you can't shake them hard enough. You can't hit them over the head with your Bible. It doesn't work like that at all. You love them and you be there and you be faithful and consistent and prayerful before them. How did the serpent deceive Eve? By misquoting God's word. False teachers are all around you, twisting his word. We are going to study ourselves to show thyself approved. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. So Satan has appealed to her mind and intellect. And that's what false teachers were doing then. They were doing it in Corinth, and they still do today. I want you to note this too, that Paul treats this account of Eve and of the serpent as a fact, not as an illustration. As a fact, not as a, a myth or something like that. God wants to enjoy a relate you to enjoy a relationship with him. And really that's the bottom line of our existence. That's another good line. I stole it from somebody. That's the bottom line of our existence, enjoying that relationship with your Creator. He created us. He redeemed us so that we might spend eternity with Him. When we forget that, we forget everything. Manage your mind.
When we forget that, we forget everything. Here's some cautions. The influence of our past. Some believers can't get past their sin, even though God says you are forgiven. See yourself the way that God does. See yourself the way that God does. When you bring up a sin before God in your past, uh, tongue-in-cheek, you could go like this. God says, what sin? What sin? If it's forgiven, it's forgiven. Now, it's not to say it didn't leave a scar. It's not to say that it's your, it, 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 your, your, it's your uh, default. Is That's like my defaulting sin. But the influence of our past sometimes can cripple our future. When God says you're forgiven, guess what that means? You're forgiven. <laughs> you're hanging on to something that God has forgiven. Work on it. Talk with your LifePoint Bible study group leader. I absolutely love the Bible questions and how does life work. And you're going to ask me a question I can't answer. Good. Let's, let's do this thing. Here's another, here's another caution. Wrong input. What we allow in our minds greatly affects our thinking. What our eyes gaze upon is what we become. What our ears listen to is what we become. Shapes our thinking. A very good friend of mine, a missionary, that he had told me this, that during COVID he had just extra time and, you know, it was just a wonky time. And he was looking at just watching videos on kind of, it, it was a, a it started down a good path. I don't want to get into details of it, but it's where you kind of strip away everything. Like, how did you get to become a, a Christian, a believer? You kind of, and then you walk it back. You, and he said what he found, the more he was listening to getting away all these things, that they were not only stripping away things, they were adding in false little seeds. It's called deconstruction. Like, let's deconstruct our lives, and then we get to rebuild it. Well, what they were, I, I, and on the premise, it was a good idea. Like, why do we come to church on Sunday? Why do we do what we do? Why do we amen? Why do we do all these things? But, but in the process of all that, in the process, they were implanting little seeds of getting them where they want you to go, not where God wants you to go. You know, it was amazing when you, um, I just heard this, uh, a pastor friend last week was telling me this. When did church become like this, like a stage? And when did it become um, uh, worship like this? Because up to a certain point, churches were mainly in houses. Sometimes they would use buildings, but they weren't formal. They weren't as formal, I should say. Now... And, and we're, we're, I don't know what we are. We're somewhere between formal and hillbilly. I don't know how that works. But, uh, but here, here's what I'm going with it. He, he, he's a historian. And he said the, the, the king's name when he made Christian the, the state religion. And he made it theatrical. He made it theatrical. I can give you more of that history. I'll probably butcher it if I try it right now. I can give you more of the history. And ever since then, we've kind of worshipped this way, in this formal way, in the big buildings and all these things. Now, are they wrong and evil? No, but they sure can be a, easily, uh, easily be a distraction, can't they? The early church met in houses and, and just groups. Yeah, they met in times together, sure, in bigger places. Well, let me whip out one of my old sayings I like to use. The wrong input, what we allow in our minds, greatly affects our thinking. Here it is. Sow a thought, reap an action. You've heard that before. Sow an action, reap a habit. Here's my two cents. 
Sow a habit and you'll reap a lifestyle. See what stinking thinking will do there? It, it'll, it'll take a thought at its farthest end can reap even a lifestyle. Ungodly input creates an appetite or an acceptance for things of the world. We got to manage our mind. Let's take a minute and, and do the flip side of this. Let's get excited. And what can we insert now in, as, as we consider our thinking? Turn with me to Psalm 101. Psalm 101. If you're new to the Bible, open it in the middle and see what happens. Middle-ish and, and then, well, that's about the middle. Psalm 101, verse 2 and 3. Good two verses here. We need to choose to refuse some thoughts. Choose to refuse some thoughts. Psalm 101, verse 2 <clears throat> says, I will behave wisely in a perfect <clears throat> in a perfect way. That means blameless. The word perfect means blameless. I will behave in a blameless and wisely in a blameless way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Look at verse 3. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I will hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. The word wicked means worthless. Ultimately, wickedness ends up being worthless in the long haul. He will not look upon with approval on any base person plan or activity. That can be challenging, y'all. That can be very challenging, can it? It's a choice. It's a choice. Go west, young man, when evil go east. What did Joseph do when Potiphar's uh, lady friend tried to grab him and try to, hey, let's hook up? What, what did he do? It says he ran away. In today's day and culture, you don't run away. That's unmanly. You got to play it a little more cooler than that. The Bible says he ran away. What would our culture say if a woman wanted to hook up with a man and a man ran away? Oh, he's <laughs> dude's weak. No, he was strong. He was strong. It says he ran away. Acknowledge you have the capacity to think right. Listen to me. You have the capacity as a believer to think right. Pastor Roger this morning was sharing, Pastor Rick this morning was sharing, we got too many pastors. Pastor Rick this morning was sharing the difference between knowledge and, wi and, and wisdom in Bible quest. Isn't that great? These kids don't know everything yet. Some of them know more than us. <laughs> but they, they don't know everything. That's just knowledge. Wisdom is the use of what you have. You, as a believer, have the capacity to think right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 1 Corinthians 2, I probably should have had your bookmark Corinthians there. We're burning it up. 1 Corinthians 2, 16. And uh, look what it says on the screen. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? That's a rhetorical question. Rhetorical question means no answer needed. It's, it's a, the answer is in the question. But we have the mind of Christ. Who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? Those that have the mind of Christ are able to understand the truths of God. Every, all the truths of God, he's way beyond our thinking. But where you are right now, 
you have that ability. You, you can do that. Sift thoughts through the word of God and the will of God. 2 Corinthians 10 will show you this too. Seek spiritual things. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. You know, I think we'll share maybe that one last scripture this morning. Again, what is our goal this, uh, you know, you have tomorrow. Most people are off tomorrow. You have this extra time. What is our goal by worshiping the Lord is our thinking. That's our goal today. Seek spiritual things. Colossians chapter 3. This is the last portion of scripture we'll look at this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. Seek spiritual things. You may, you may be thinking right now, well, Pastor Scott, I'm hearing all this. It sounds good, but how do I do it? Just help me. How do I do it? You start doing it. You, you start saturating your mind, your ears and your eyes. You start saturating your life with the things of God. That's how you do it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Oh my goodness, verse 1 is chalk, it's meaty. That thing is meaty, full of um, uh, truth. That just, the more you pull apart verse 1, the deeper it goes, the more you're going to get with a pleasant surprise in the middle. Which reminds me, I was at a wedding reception last night, and I had a snickerdoodle cupcake. Changed my life. <laughs> Changed my life. It was so good. There was even a pleasant surprise in the middle of it. Whew. About turned around and went back and got another one. I ain't going to lie. That's what verse 1 can do for you. You pull verse 1. You start pulling. Just take every word and start studying every word. Ooh, it is good. Seek spiritual things. But the word if there can grammatically be translated since. Since. So now look at verse 1. Since then you were raised with Christ. See the difference? Seek those things which are, are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Let's sneak in verse 2. Set your mind. Say set. set. Come on, say set. set. Think on these things. Get to work. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your mind. Get a fixed in your heart, a fixed position. Since you have been raised and spiritually in Him, you are a new creature. We forget that, don't we? We do same old, same old. We do nothing new. We do all those things. And we don't do same old, same old, nothing new. If the mercies of the Lord are fresh every day, every day should be fresh. You may think, but my job and I got routines. I'm down. I get routines. I got it. But your walk with him, we're on a limited time frame, y'all. We are on a limited time frame. Time's interesting. It's a level playing field on one hand because you don't have any more time than I have of a day. You may have, but on the other hand, it's, it's, it's an unlevel playing field because we don't know how long we're going to be on this earth. And he says the mercies of the Lord are fresh every day. 
You think, well, God, I'm not fresh yet. Make me fresh. Get to work. Put these things in your life. Say goodbye to your former way of life. Seek those things above where Christ is. I love that. While still on earth, cultivate heavenly ways. How? Embrace your studies. Embrace them. Do the work. You need more? We can get you more. You got LifePoint Bible study groups on Sunday morning. Those are studies. You know what? In fact, if you're like, I, I, want, I want to study, you don't need to go outside of Crosspoint if you're a member to do more studies. You have a LifePoint Bible study group. Go to your leader. They'll probably give you a, 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 a handout of what they study. Own it. Study it. Take it home with you. Dissect it. Put it in your life. You know what? I, I get it, you version and, and all the Bible study things we can do on the, on, through uh, electronic. I, I, the, I get it. But why would you not go to your spiritual leaders that are flesh and blood that you can sit with and they want to invest in your life and you and them? Get a copy. Take these things. That's just one. Here's a message this morning. You can play this over and over and again. We don't, I don't get any money from it. Don't worry about that. I'm not looking for likes and subscribes. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. We want the Word of God to go. You, here's, you can study. See if these things are true. Don't take my word for it. See if these things are so. That's two. S Sunday night, those that are watching, we are going through the book of John. Some nights, line by line, three verses at a time. Three verses at a time. That's not very much. That's your third study. Wednesday nights we meet. <laughs> You have what you need right here. You, and if you want more, come see us. We can make it happen. We have lady, fervent uh, Bible studies as well. Embrace the Bible studies. Embrace it. Own, own them. Set your mind describes the inward impulse and disposition of the heart all at the same time. A fixed position. We're in chapter 3. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. Last verse. Chapter 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And then we know the rest, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know what's amazing about that? I don't know that that was written in the setting like what we have here. I, I don't know that it was set up in this format, like a program or theatrical way. I think that verse is kind of talking more in an individual manner. It's, it's, the, it's the hearing Tom Burdett singing up and down the hallways and whistling. That, that, I think that's more what it's referring to. But here's our application for today. Two, two, two thoughts. One, if you're a believer today, manage your mind. I, you know, the goal isn't to make you leave here as a believer feeling worse. We don't shoot our wounded. We're here to help the wounded. Reach out to your leader. Let's get our minds fixed on him. I know our physical bodies can shape our thinking. I get it. I got it. But there's something bigger. God's up to something so much bigger than our bodies. Set your mind on him. And the other is this, for the person that doesn't like, you're not all in with Christ. Be faithful with the ministries and truths of God because this isn't a game. There's an urgency to what, what we're doing here. It's not a game. Don't become disqualified for ministry. I'm speaking to the believer. It's embarrassing for you. It's embarrassing for the church and it hurts God. But for the person that doesn't know him, we want to introduce you to him.
He's the one who, who is the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. He, he, he's that pathway, that door that opens you up to being in awe of God. Blown away by who he is. Can we bow our heads for a moment? Can we bow our heads for a moment? I wanted to take the time this morning to make sure that we have a prayer time. I know that we can call it an invitation as well. We are inviting people to come forward, do any business with God that they may have. But I wanted to make sure we have this this morning because I know that there are people in our church, family that have family members that are hurting that you need to pray for. I know that for a fact. I know that there are people in our church that are wayward within their own heart. You need to come pray for your own heart. This is a time of prayer. We do want to make this a house of prayer and not the reason that Christ drove them out. We want to make this a house of prayer. The Lord bless our time together. Andrew is getting ready to lead us in a song. I pray that we would be quick to uh, reply, uh, reply, to pray, quick to pray as unto you. He's quick to respond. We love you and we need you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with and I as I'll be standing on the front row down here? If you need to talk with me, that's fine. Pray with you, I will. Won't you come? This is an invitation. This isn't a judgy time either. Just a time to come and lay your heart before God. As Andrew Lee, won't you come?
Good. It's been good to meet this morning. Let it be known by an amen. amen. Was it bad to meet this morning? I didn't usually nobody just not gonna. I wanted to uh, take a moment and give you just a couple things to think about. One is our quarterly, monthly, as monthly actually, um, of our activities. We don't no longer do a big worship folder. We kind of send these out monthly. Uh, great, just pop them on the fridge and it gets you all of our activities, at least for that month. So this is our fall kickoff ministries is in full swing right now. This, which brings me to number two, this month is Sunday School Appreciation Sunday. What is that about? What's Sunday School Appreciation? If we have cards out here at the back, we're asking you to take a card and very promptly fill it out. Write a note to somebody who invested you. It could have been 30 years ago. It could have been yesterday. Uh, a Sunday School teacher that is currently in our church that um, that had, has invested in you and write that note of thanks and turn them back in. We have a box at the Welcome Center. If you would place them in there and we're going to hand those back out. The staff will hand those back out the last Sunday of the month. All right. Are you with me? So a yeah, Sunday school teacher and I don't want to start down this road right now, but uh, some people, some teachers in here have been uh, uh, teaching for decades and they have um, a lot, a lot, a lot of people they have invested in that are now ministering right here at our church. So Sunday School Appreciation Month and we have a couple little extra things in there we'll, we'll sneak in. So that's uh, Fall Kickoff Ministry Sunday School Appreciation and as we are up and running you know for in the fall time we have the Lord's Supper coming up. Uh, teens have uh, all their activities. Joyful Group looks like they're going to Golden Corral. Um, Grief Share is running. We, Peg, how many we have thir, uh, Thursday? Nine? Nine Thursday for Grief Share Ministry. As it started, it's not too late. And um, also our um, uh, adult classes are in October are having a, um, our annual costume uh, party. So, again, all these are just information we want to get. Pop them on the fridge. And um, these are activities, but make sure you take today and be well pleasing to the Lord. You know, it's tomorrow is what we call Labor Day. We celebrate working by not working. Um, but I want you to take a moment as you're dismissed. I want you to shake at least three hands or fist bump at least three hands of somebody you haven't said hello to yet this morning before you can leave out the door. You are dismissed. <laughs>